I gave my little talk a title, Finding the Silver Lining in Cancer Through Faith and Art. With the Lord's help, I will share part of my story in such a way as to give honor to our Heavenly Father. Back in my Pentecostal days, I would have referred to this opportunity as an occasion to testify. And many times those occasions just turned into a show and tell, or more particularly, a show off and tell all. And Christ was simply an add on. I find no fault in being excited about what the Lord has done. I think of the blind man in John 9 25 who said, One thing I know that whereas I was blind, now I see. Well, at one time I had cancer, and now I do not. At other times, we notice folks who jump and leap for joy at the healing touch of our Savior. I say this as a warning and a watch to prepare yourself in case I too begin to leap for joy. Yet it is for God's saving work that gives volume to my voice and a spring in my step to do as the psalmist says, let the redeemed of the Lord say so. Well, you've uh, no doubt noted that I'll be reading from my notes uh, quite a bit. Uh, this is uh, due to me wanting to be, one, careful to stay in my lane, but also uh, as a need to stay organized. Uh, chemotherapy temporarily robs you of your memory, and mine is still recovering somewhat. Uh, perhaps I should have some sort of a disclaimer. I'm not a qualified teacher. However, I am ready to share the faithfulness of God. As I just shared a note from Psalm 107, let the redeemed of the Lord say so, that's what I intend to do. And with that said, please feel free to step in and lend me a hand if you think necessary. My particular cancer, I had colorectal cancer. And after my radiation and chemotherapy, I had surgery to remove the tumor, which included about a foot of my intestines. Initially, my recovery gave me something to have in common with our youngest, namely Suki, because we were both wearing diapers, uh, for which I give thanks. You know, once a man, twice a child. Uh, so my goal this morning, I will endeavor to lift up Christ throughout my story in a way that brings glory to God and encourages each of you. Those are my specific goals. If I jump for joy, hopefully you'll understand. Just a special word about you, my church family. You know, going through this health crisis with you was very special. Hearing, watching, and just knowing that you were all praying for me and for Susan and for Max was most comforting. We were home for an entire year, joining in by way of the internet, which was a blessing. I remember thinking how nice it would be to sing with the rest of you. As Max uh, so quickly noted, the three of us don't carry the best of tunes. Uh, nevertheless, those psalms were ministering medicine to our souls and my body. When Brother Carroll was teaching on contentment, he assured us we would find ourselves in difficult circumstances, and that scripture encourages us to fortify ourselves and not become prey to sin. He relayed two things to do, and I can attest to those two things really helping. One, trust in the Lord and his word to instruct you. In John 6, 68, it was Peter who said, Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life. 
And then number two, seek out the elders. Well, looking back, I noted that I had employed both of these and will continue to do so through life's struggles. I have a quick trigger finger, as it were, when it comes to asking for help and prayer. The elders were equally quick to visit and prayed with me and Susan in our home. Uh, Pastor Parnell was actually in Oklahoma City at one, one time and uh, included a trip by my dad's house on one occasion. I'd not been out of the hospital very long, and I know that I was looking poorly and rather haggard when I stepped around the corner, and he took note of me, and I hadn't been that size since I was 17 years old, at least that weight. But none of that scared him off. Uh, John 16:33. These things I have spoken to you, that in me you may have peace. In the world you will have tribulation, but be of good cheer. I have overcome the world. Yes, I can testify that the peace that passes understanding was and is a tremendous comfort, and each of you were used of God to help with that. I remember one Lord's Day, Pastor Parnell mentioned a little book by John Piper called Don't Waste Your Cancer. The title was intriguing, and I made quick work of securing a copy of this small yet powerful book, and then went about consuming it in snapping chews and gulps. How's that for artsy language? Brother Piper listed 11 things that would waste our cancer while he was going through prostate cancer himself. In fact, you could probably substitute the word cancer with what is challenging you. I would like to quickly read his list of 11. Perhaps a couple of them will catch in your craw like they did mine. Number one, we waste our cancer if we don't hear our own groanings, the hope-filled labor pains of a fallen world. Cancer will make you groan and think about fallenness and Christ's sacrifice. Number two, we waste our cancer if we do not believe it is designed for us by God. Now that'll make the name it, claim it group jump, but it's providence. We waste our cancer if we believe it is a curse and not a gift. We have to remember nothing happens apart from God's will. Read Job. Number four, and here's one that got me. We waste our cancer if we seek comfort from our odds rather than from God. With every treatment and procedure in surgery, you're always given the odds. I had eight physicians, and all of them were quick to quote the odds based on the latest research. I remember my oncology radiologist was giving me the odds of a successful treatment. And after he gave me the well-researched information, I looked up and told him, I was 100% sure that we were all going to die one day. He looked a bit sheepish and agreed with my assessment. I told him I was ready to meet the Lord, but if his treatments kept me here a bit longer, that, that would be okay with me. Turns out that the chemo and the radiation really did not do that much for my cancer. According to the pathology report on the tumor they removed, the treatments only helped some for which I was grateful. I don't know what that sum was, but I'm glad to have had some help. Number five, we waste our cancer if we refuse to think about death. Well, cancer will put you in the foxhole pretty quick. Number six, and this one spoke to me, we waste our cancer if we think that beating cancer means staying alive rather than cherishing Christ 
You hear a lot about beating cancer in the secular world, and it's a fight. However, I decided early on to let the Lord fight this one for me. It was much too big for me to carry. Wisdom will eventually teach you that you are not to find three keys to being like David so you can fight the giants in your life. No, at best you're like the shivering Israelite on the faraway hillside too petrified to make a move. That's where you are in the story. It will always work out better for the Lord to fight our battles, and it ensures that he alone gets the glory. I would simply pray, Lord, if you want me to stick around and be a husband to Susan, raise Max, care for my elderly father, mother-in-law, serve my local church, and become the artist you want, then you'll need to defeat the cancer in my body. Otherwise, I'm happy to join you. Your will be done. This is why my talk is not titled, How Mark Beat Cancer. Number seven, we waste our cancer if we spend too much time reading about cancer and not enough time reading about God. Now that's true. We have the internet at, at our fingertips and we're just quick to thumb the latest research and you can just get swept up in all that reading from what I call Dr. Google. Uh, number eight, we waste our cancer if we let it drive us into solitude instead of deepen our relationship with manifest affections, to which I would add, or become the stoic that Brother Carroll warned us about. Number nine, we waste our cancer if we grieve as though who have no hope. Early on, I would visit with my cousin Todd, who was going through cancer treatments as well. We talked mostly about the good of the Lord and What's the worst case? We always wind up being with him. That didn't seem so bad. I got a text one day that read, Todd moved to heaven. Thankfully, he had hope. I hope you have hope. Hope in Christ. Number 10, you waste, and this one was meaningful to me too. We waste our cancer if we treat sin as casually as before. I can assure you that keeping, keeping a very short accounting of yourself becomes important, and you learn a great deal about humility with eternity so far, oh, so, so near, I should say. I think of Isaiah who collapsed in the presence of God and declared, I'm undone. I wanted to make the most of my cancer, and one huge lesson on repentance hit me like a freight train. One day, while in great pain, groaning and crying for help, and then evidently, uh, I wasn't that quiet about it during those sessions, according to Susan and Max. Uh, the thought occurred to me, have I ever cried out for my sin half as much as I have for my own physical or emotional suffering? I don't know about you, but my answer was no. My mind darted to the story in Luke 18 about the Pharisee and the tax collector. I'm going to read those few verses in 10 through 14. Two men went up to the temple to pray, one a Pharisee and the other a tax collector. The Pharisee stood and prayed thus with himself, God, I thank you that I am not like other men, extortioners, unjust, adulterers, or even as this tax collector. I fast twice a week, I give tithes all I possess. And the tax collector, standing afar off, <clears throat> would not so much as raise his eyes to heaven, but beat his breast, saying, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. I tell you, this man went down to his house justified rather than the other. For everyone who exalts himself will be humbled, and he who humbles himself 
will be exalted. Suffering helps change the way I ask for forgiveness and never take sin lightly. Have you truly ever cried out in anguish over your sinfulness? The last one that really spoke to me, number 11. You waste your cancer if we fail to use it as a means of witness to the truth and glory of Christ. I'm going to quote John Piper, a, a little snippet out of this book. I thought it was really good, really powerful. He says, and I quote, Christians are never anywhere by divine accident. There are reasons for why we wind up where we do. Consider what Jesus said about painful, unexplained circumstances. They will lay their hands on you and persecute you, delivering you up to the synagogues of prisons, and you will be brought before kings and governors for my namesake. This will be your opportunity to bear witness. 21, 12 through 13. So it is with cancer. This will be an opportunity to bear witness. Christ is infinitely worthy. Here's a golden opportunity to show that he is worth more than life. Don't waste it. Remember, you're not left alone. You will have the help you need. My God will supply every need of yours according to his riches in glory in Christ Jesus, end quote, John Piper. As some of you know, I've been going to various retirement communities and sharing my story of art and lifting up Christ during my cancer. My 88-year-old father created a video of my first event that I'd like to share with you. It's only about 15 minutes long, but you'll get the flavor of how I took Piper's recommendation to bear witness. It shows me participating in various aspects of my treatments, time at the hospital, witnessing with others, some of my art, and yes, Max gets into the act. I will put a few copies out in the foyer there for you to enjoy. You, you're welcome to them. I can make as many as I need to. I say that. My dad can make as many as we need him to. And I, I can always make more. We will also have one inside a watercolor book I made of some of my artwork that I did last year going through the cancer. It looks like this. And it just has a hundred of the watercolors I did while I was going through cancer and the scripture reference for them. In the front, there's also a CD show. So I'll put this in the library. Now I'm going to go over some of the notes that I had for that speech and kind of give you the essence of what I've been sharing in the various places. A little about me as an artist. Uh, I'm a professional oil painter. I'm an associate juried artist with the Oil Painters of America. I've always been an artist since about third grade, probably before that. Uh, I was always looking out the window and doodling. I had flunked the third grade once. I was about to flunk the third grade for the second time. And uh, my dad had to go up and talk to the principal and convince him that the boy is really not retarded. Um, but all he does is doodle and look out the window. So that we had a new principal and he said, well, we're gonna put the boy to work. So he had me painting murals all over that school. Kind of brought me out of it and I made it to the fourth grade. Um, so, you know, we, I can't say enough about our educators that have the opportunity to encourage young minds. Um, my style has been kind of an eclectic mixture of representational naturalism. That, that may be about as artsy as I'm going to get this morning. So for most of my 64 years, I've been an active artist. 
But around 14 uh, months ago is when I heard those three dreaded words, you have cancer. And those three dreaded words are dreaded the world over, and for good reason. These three dreaded words have touched all of us in one way or another, I would, I would be willing to bet. I was praying and asking the Lord how to make the most of my cancer, and the words, I will never leave you nor forsake you, immediately came and comforted me. And then I had the idea uh, to paint a small watercolor, a little four by six, each day for the remainder of my treatments, with the hopes of sharing that art and telling about God's faithfulness. Uh, it was in my mind to have a sale of those little paintings to help out local charities. I had to switch to, from oil paints to watercolors. Evidently, chemo is a bad combination with the various solvents and, and paint thinners you have to use with oil painting. So I took doctor's advice and switched. I'm going to read you a couple of excerpts from my daily journal. Uh, I found the, the spot in my journal where I actually had the idea for the, uh, the little paintings. So I'm medicated in these, in these little excerpts, so you have to forgive that. I'm just glad you don't, didn't get to see the original spelling of some of this. So here's the entry of January 25th, 2023. My dear Lord, I pray for nothing but thyself, nothing but holiness, nothing but union with thy will. Valley of Vision, page 127. Today was my first infusion treatment. My imagination was much worse than the reality. The needle into my port was much smaller than I had thought it would be. The battery pump was also much smaller than I thought it would be. You, know, you would think of it as big as a car thing. The, battery, uh, the effects of the chemo were non-existent. A wonderful mercy. Praise the Lord. The only side effect I had was some raspy voice near the end of the day. That's it. So all in all, I am very pleased with the treatment and do pray the medicine would continue to kill my cancer and leave the rest of me alone. Should that bring my Heavenly Father the most glory? I started a watercolor painting challenge today. I plan on painting a small 4x6 painting every day and post it to Facebook, Lord willing. So far, so good. Should be fun. Also, I will create a book with the entire collection and a bit of a narrative. Hopefully, at the end of my treatments, I'll be able to have a sale and help out one of the local not-for-profits. Thank you for giving me strength today. I love you, Lord Jesus. Anyway, that's a piece of my life from that, from that period. Here's another excerpt after my first surgery. Lots of pain medication, so bear with this one. Uh, gracious Heavenly Father, thank you for all your sufficient grace, which has sustained me and filled me afresh daily. Thank you for all the loving, caring hands that are caring for me. Merciful Father, please continue to strengthen Susan and draw her closer to you. Thank you for Susan. Much better today with pain management, for which I give thanks to God and to the doctors you have gifted me with. Susan spent most of the day with me, helping me learn from my many care team members. I go on to list them here, the ostomy nurse, the case manager, the nutritionist, my aide, my nurse, my doctor, his nurse practitioner. I, the spelling was atrocious. Uh, uh, I'm just having to guess my way through some of this. Uh, therapist and my housekeeper. Finally, my housekeeper, Norma. I think that's it for now. Hopefully, I get to eat soon and regain my full strength. I got up, cleaned up, 
after my second of three walks. I don't go very far, but it's good for me. Father, I pray that I would make the most of my time while in the hospital to the best of my ability, encouraging the workers. I love you, Lord Jesus. Keep me. I'm yours. So one of the ways I decided to encourage the workers was to give each of them a roll of lifesavers. I had to order those. They don't sell those in the stores much anymore. I was thanking them for working to save my life. It was a nice way to break the tension on what's probably a difficult job dealing with folks with cancer. I also made it a point to memorize all of my care team members' names and witness to them about Christ. My final touch was to write all of them a personal thank you card and giving them a small copy of a painting and encourage them in the Lord. I handed out some of those Bible tracts too. I visited with some of the other cancer patients witnessing to them. One in particular was Daniel, who looked like a biker dude. Turns out he was an elder in the Cumberland Presbyterian Church <laughs> there in Edmond, Oklahoma. And we became quick friends, and he was a comfort to me with great counsel. As far as I could tell, the first time the words silver lining were used was back in 1634 in a poem that Milton wrote, Paradise Lost Fame. Uh, was I deceived, or did a sable cloud turn forth her silver lining on the night? And ever since, people have been looking for the silver lining in life's dark, cloudy hardships. So I decided to look for the silver lining in my cancer. Where could that silver lining possibly be? Was my silver lining to be found in the many lessons learned as a result of having cancer? Well, I learned how to pray without ceasing. I learned to hold my family even closer, especially my wife Susan, Max, and my dad and mother-in-law. I learned to be grateful for every day. It's a gift from God. I learned that suffering uh, can be a real proving of your faith. It drew me closer to Christ. I learned to be truly thankful for my church family and how vitally important a church family can be. I learned to be more concerned about others who suffer. My oncologist told me that not all cancer patients get to ring the bell. For those of you that don't know, in every cancer ward, there's a bell. You get to ring if it looks like you're going to survive when you finish all the treatments. They had one down in the radiology, radiology department right there in the foyer. And I rang that one really well. But the one for the cancer ward, that was out in the parking lot. And the reason is because they didn't want all of the cancer patients to hear the bell ring. Because most of them were there on just, just for therapeutic purposes. And they would never get to ring that bell. So I went outside, found the bell, and rang it. These lessons, and many more, have changed me for the better. However, they were not the silver lining. Well, was my silver lining in cancer to be found in my art? Early on, I determined to make the most of my cancer with my art. So I wound up painting 163 of those little 4x6 watercolors. Some I made up from my own imagination, and others were reference photos I took of several, and several references I got from other people. As a side note of interest, many times my art became a prayer. One example is one I painted of me giving thanks for being cancer-free called Hallelujah. First Chronicles 16.34, Oh, give thanks to the Lord, for he is good, for his steadfast love endures forever. Here's this little painting of a cowboy dude with his arms raised. I don't know if you can see that real well. The title of that one's Hallelujah. I'm going to keep this one. 
My art gave me a special purpose, but it was not my silver lining. Well, was my silver lining in cancer to be found in the many answered prayers? There were many answered prayers. I was gifted with a team of eight physicians from Mercy Hospital in Oklahoma City, led by my oncologist, Dr. Kirchen. I'm thankful my insurance held out. I, I prayed that I wouldn't go broke. And uh, Blue Cross and Blue Shield paid over a half a million dollars last year to keep me alive. They did their part. Otherwise, I would needed to have put together several starving artist sales across the fruited plain here. Um, answered prayers and successful treatments and surgeries, becoming cancer-free as far as could be detected by machine or test. Actually did a genetic blood test. It's fascinating how they do. They had my tumor and they got the genetics of that tumor, got some fresh blood and sent them off to some lab and compared it and said, there's none of it running around in you. Finally, uh, which is ongoing, is the recovery. But all, lots of answered prayers. One of the scriptures that really helped me through the treatments, medications, procedures, surgeries, and even the recovery, Isaiah 41.10, Fear not, for I am with you. Be not dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you. I will help you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. And uh, I would say that before I took a pill or anything. Prayed that prayer. Those answered prayers, along with many, many others, were wonderful and humbling, but ultimately not my silver lining. The real silver lining for me always has been Christ Jesus. So I wrote a psalm-like poem of sorts. I didn't follow any of the grammatical rules associated with those things, so I was kind of winging it here. But uh, you can almost hear the echo of the psalms at the end of each sentence. His mercy endures forever. Call this the silver lining. Before cancer attacked my body, you were there. When those dreaded three words pierced my mind, you were there. When despair was doing its best to rob me of my joy, you were there. When radiation and chemotherapy had its way with me, you were there. When I was hurting the most in Mercy Hospital ER one night, you were there. When I was under the skillful surgeon's knife, you were there. When I was recovering from surgeries, you were there. When no more cancer could be found, you were there. And as I work to fully recover, you continue to be there. His mercy endures forever. From creation's dawn to the burning bush, to the clouds of Mount Sinai, to its transfiguration in the clouds, when he returned to heaven, ascending into the clouds, and finally one day he will return in a cloud with power and great glory, the ultimate silver lining. Well, my next chapter is to remain faithful to what God has called me to do, and hopefully remain cancer-free. I get tested every six months for the next two and a half years. I'm actually going to have one of those body tests tomorrow. It's interesting to note that God might call us to multiple vocations throughout our life. At the age of 64, I'm now called to be a full-time artist. My plan is to paint to the glory of God and for beauty in Christ. I hope to use this calling to share my faith with a hurting world. 
Moses wasn't called till he was 80. So I figure I got, you know, 15, 16 years on him. As some of you know, I've been researching everything I can get my hands on concerning what the scriptures actually say about the arts and with various commentaries and books written on the subject. The Bible actually has a great deal to say about art. And I look forward to studying it out. With the Lord's help, I'll be able to share the fruit of this study sometime in the future. Throughout my journey, I've been living Psalm 130. I'm sure some of you live this as well. I'm going to read it as I close here. Out of the depths I have cried to you, O Lord. <clears throat> Lord, hear my voice. Let your ears be attentive to the voice of my supplications. If you, Lord, should mark iniquities, O Lord, who could stand? But there is forgiveness with you, that you may be feared. I wait for the low, Lord. My soul waits, and his word I do hope. My soul waits for the Lord, more than those who watch for the morning. Yes, more than those who watch for the morning. O Israel, hope in the Lord. For with the Lord there's mercy. And with him is abundant redemption. And he shall redeem Israel from all his iniquities. Thank you. I'd take a question or two if I could compose myself here. Well, then you get the gift of four minutes. Use it wisely. There you go. Thank you.